Damon said, sent the greatest text ever. I can't believe, I cannot believe no one said this. He said, what, what did he call it? Wait, I gotta find it. Uh, he goes, <clears throat> the best part of the episode was your Tarchino. Oh, no. <laughs> doing Tarzan. I'm like, oh my God, whenever, <laughs> how do we not, how do we not get that? <laughs> you read my mind. <laughs> you read my mind. It was a great part of the episode. As I was considering cutting it, I was like, I can't. I can't. <laughs> no, I never would have. Been oh my that. God, that's the sec the, the Glenn Close ADR with the dogs. Right. You're right. Maybe the weirdest, most disturbing it's thing. So weird. Amazing I even though. Listen back to it. Yeah, I mean, I listened to it oh, a few times when I was putting it in, and I was like, this is crazy long. I'm just going to put it in there. No, it's so good. <laughs> but I was like, no, it kind of needs the build. It needs the tiny. Oh, God, it yeah. It feels like so like you're trying to imagine what it looks like. Yeah. But the third <laughs> layer Cosby of Cosby going, I, I <laughs> on top of it, crying. <gasps> so because good. I was not expecting that. <laughs> he was there for it all. He was sitting right there. <laughs> feverishly masturbating. <laughs> Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. Welcome to Earth. It was a G.I. Jane job. I, 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 I'm going to, okay? I can't speak. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Oh, well, here we are. Oh, well, here we are. Welcome to episode 73 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I'm once again joined by my dear, dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, we travel back to April 11th. 1986, and what Dan termed at the end of last week's episode, the schlockfest, the release of <laughs> Gremlins Wannabe Critters, the Judge Reinhold romantic comedy Offbeat, and the extremely low-budget exploitation smorgasbord, The Toxic Avenger. But before we dive into this week's films, Fred and Dan, where were you boys in April of 1986? I was in eighth grade and I was, we've spoken about her before and this is going to get, this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Oh boy. Yeah. Because one of these movies was a catalyst in in our relationship, but this is when I was dating my, my first girlfriend, Nina. And, uh, well, no, my first girlfriend was Jenny Vaccaro. We've spoken about her before, but that, but, but, uh, we didn't really, by girlfriend, I mean, like I asked her out and then that was it. But Nina was my first girlfriend in the sense that like, there was a little, you know, schmoochy schmoochy going on. She was my first kiss in the the eagle's nest. What'd you say? I said a little kid and play. (laughs) Mostly kid. Indeed. A little (laughs) off and beat. A little Joe. And the volcano. Oh, there was some oh, erupting. Oh, oh. A little dead and calm. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
a little Wally. A lot of sparks. <laughs> there were a lot of sparks. There were a lot of sparks. Uh, we were, this was at the point where we were. Maybe little Wally was working overtime. Oh, boy. I'm sorry. <laughs> so sorry. This is at the point where things were falling apart. I was oh. about to experience my first true breakup heartache and a lot of it had to do with Judge Reinhold. Uh, and we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, but so yeah, we wait. were this, where we were, this April, right? April, April you're saying? Yeah. yeah, this was, we, we must have been close to breaking up around this time. I feel like we were on and off for a little bit. So, uh, yeah, so that's what we were doing. I was going on uh, like double dates to the movies. We had our first, I had my first make out double Ooh. date. We went to see young Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I may have yes. spoken about that before. Oh, yes, and we said it was a very sexy movie. Yes. It was, and I was very upset because I wanted to watch. The whole idea was it was, <laughs> and again, forgive me if I've discussed this, but it was it was Nina and myself, oh, and then so Dean Holzer and Julie Birkin were dating, and the whole idea was we were going to go, and we were going to just make out with our respective uh, dates there. But mm. I wanted to see the movie. I was mm -hmm. upset. I wanted to watch Young Sherlock Holmes. Wow. Yeah. So was she attempting to make out with you and you were like, bah, 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 bah. I have to see what's happening with whoever played young Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, exactly. Nicholas Rowe, I believe his name was. Nicholas Rowe. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I, yeah, we're not going to get to this movie for a long time. In fact, I don't have it scheduled at all. But my story is with uh, The Naked Gun. That was one where I was like, like it was a real heavy, a heavy petting session. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I really... I do need to focus on my first contact with breasts in a movie theater, but I also really would like to see what people are laughing at. And then a week later, I went and I saw it again, and I was like, oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> this is so much better than the boobs. Like, so much like, better. It's, it's very wrong that if, if you had to say, like, which of the two times that you went to the Naked Gun did you enjoy yourself more? I'd be like, the one where I got to see... O.J. Simpson, go <laughs> over those those bleachers. Oh gosh! <laughs> oh boy! In that wheelchair. And what does that got to do with anything? Oh god, <laughs> that's very true. But very there was true. no making out at uh, at Offbeat. There, that was a different situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you did see that in the theater, okay? We, wow. I saw that in the theater. Yeah. Mm, wow. And you know what? I, you know, we were talking last last episode about you know like must have items like the cabbage patch kids mm -hmm. and it dawned on me because i just bought uh for, for my son ben's 14th birthday he really wanted new air jordans and the kind that we got him they're like this retro kind and it dawned on me when i was his age this is exactly when i got the very first air jordans that ever came out wow. i was wearing those the mm -hmm. red and white air jordans yes i was the first kid in my school to have them really and, and i didn't play basketball it was weird i don't know why i wanted oh, them they, so those badly were 450 dollars weren't they, they no were like nine thousand dollars no now Fred they always are likes to say that he wasn't rich growing up but then no, he talks cool, about cool. these country clubs and they're, <laughs> they're like yeah, <laughs> like these spas that he went to, and they, which of the, and these, these which walls of the, with like, you know, gold necklaces he would buy for <laughs> other children. Right. Which of the swarthy men at the VBC bought you the Air Jordans? Because <laughs> oh, you like, right. you like this. Stop you talking like about this. my mom that way. Listen, oh, no. no. It was, no, they were, I don't think they were that expensive back then. Or maybe Frederick. they were, I don't know. But it was they a big, were, it might have been like. It was like, a big thing. I guess so, but it wasn't, you know. 
It wasn't you stole like cabbage. Them. I stole just, them. Just admit that you stole them. But I was wearing them when I first asked Nina out, and I remember she commented on my on my sneakers how she liked she them. Did. Oh. Yeah. And yeah, it was big. And another big thing that happened that's sort of relevant to this podcast is our good friend, or my good friend that you've heard quite a bit, Damon, who we've mm. mentioned, he moved to my town couple of months earlier. Now, we had met. Oh. We knew each other from the Village Bath Club. But he of lived further down in the forest. <laughs> well, you knew from one of the holes. <laughs> <laughs> so I never saw his face. I just, I knew his voice. You know, knew I knew the smell. The, I knew the smell. I knew the musk. And I knew the feel. <laughs> but so finally, when he, I was like, oh, that's what you look like. Oh, it's going to be so much easier to finish now. Oh, oh no. Hey, do you want to go see young Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> So he had just moved to, he was out in Plainview oh. on Long Island. He just moved to Manhattan. So that was exciting. I was like, oh, cool. This That's this really good nice. friend is now here. So, yeah. And he he was there so I could put my, I could cry on his shoulder. And Josh's oh, shoulder. And the Nina thing. And but, uh, wait, I'm remembering the Nina breakup is happening just before Hofstra. Is this the first of many breakups with her? They broke up and they got back together, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. so we we started to date in in junior high school when I was in eighth grade and she was in seventh grade, and then we got back together when I was a senior and she was a junior. Okay, but this was like like she, yeah, she broke up with me and she just jumped right. She jumped to another drummer. I th- actually, I think she went through all the drummers because then she, I think she was dating this guy Ryan Bell, who sadly has passed on. I think she might have been for like a day with my friend Josh, who was also a drummer. Like there was, hmm. she was, she was doing her thing, and I was doing a lot of pining at the time, pining and hiding in lockers. I would hide in lockers because I was yeah, small enough to fit. That Nina was lovely to me. She was, all, she was never. She was always wonderful, friend. Nina didn't like it when you were off the beat. Off beat. <laughs> oh, we didn't talk about it. You guys, you what did you guys do? I'm already getting, I'm getting depressed <laughs> thinking about Dan's, this. Dan's like, what? Did I talk about my youth already? I forgot. Uh, you no, were in seventh grade, Dan, right? I was about to make a joke about her octopus's garden, but I wasn't <laughs> going to. No. I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't have the. I'm so uh, sorry. No, it's all right. I can I can just edit around if you want to like make <laughs> are you kidding make me? Your pitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what no, were what you were doing? You? What were you doing? Me? What was I doing? Do you want to fin- finish? Mine was not that interesting. I was doing. Well, no, it Go was ahead. interesting. I uh, had just done my the first musical I had ever done. I had just Ooh. finished. Uh, this weekend, I think I had just uh, done Anything Goes. I was in the chorus of Anything Goes, and I loved it. Had the best time. I was uh, I was understudy for. I think I've talked about this. I, the, the character of Moonface Martin, Be great, the char- great comedic part, and uh, I I was a ninth grader, and I was understudying the the senior or junior who was playing that, and. That was really fun, and I was in. I had a million different costumes. I was in a million different scenes as a different <laughs> different passengers on the boat. I had to put on. There's a picture that my mom actually just gave to Kate over Christmas. She did it, and she made some like funny kind of joke gift thing for her. And and in it were a bunch of pictures of me from high school and junior high school, like horrible, horrible pictures. And there's one of me in a sailor outfit that I I used to think like oh so embarrassing. 
Honestly, I've never looked better than I was in this fucking sailor's outfit in ninth grade. And I think, did I tell this story about Anything Goes? There was a, the, one of the most memorable stories from the, the very brief run of the school musical was the, um, the girl, the young lady who was playing um, Bonnie, which is the gangster's mall or whatever, um, I had to be in like her, her partner in this big dance scene that she has this big song and dance number Uh-oh. and she was i don't know if i told she was a very buxom young lady oh this and is ringing a bell yes yes i think There's you have told the, the story the, the strap yes. that broke on, yes. on stage yep. the strap she had this like spaghetti strap oh my on this and it broke and i had to kind of help her negotiate keeping her costume on you gentlemanly and, uh, you gentlemen you're like i, I got her. this i saw the naked gun i know how to do <laughs> this i know how to adjust <laughs> boobs and i was uh I was about to do, oh yeah, this God. was the year I did the sketch comedy for the first time. I did the school talent show for the first time. And I did uh, that uh, Fernando, the, the yes. Billy Crystal Fernando yeah. sketch. And then I did that one year. And then after that, I was like, I'm just going to, instead of writing sketches for other people to be in, fuck other people. And I'll try <laughs> stand up. So, you know. But is this the time when they said to you, be in the play? And you were like, no, I don't want to be in the play. I'll do sound effects, though. I'll do funny voices. That is, this, the, that, is that this one? That was the same. That, that wasn't Anything Goes. That was uh, oh. earlier in the school year. So that was oh, like oh, fall oh, okay. of, this is spring of 86. So it was fall of 85. Five. Yeah, okay. I did my first play where, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was where I got the bug. And then I said, oh, I'll, I'll audition for the school musical and nice. all that. And then I was also like you, Dan, although maybe you weren't, you, you weren't in high school yet. But then I was also doing all the mm. movie reviews for the school paper. And I remember- oh, yeah. Yeah. vividly like a lot of 1980 early 1986 fair like mm. i definitely definitely reviewed critters uh, i saw that um did money pit there was a movie called wise yes. guys do you remember this with joe piscopo and danny devito oh right. yeah yeah right totally right, remember right. that yeah. i remember liking it but god knows maybe we'll do it sometime but uh, you know what i mean i don't remember i can't remember anything about it except that they were in it and i was well, and, kind of into it, but and yeah. that movie is why Goodfellas is called Goodfellas and not Wise Guy. Oh my god, that's so funny. That's right. You know, that's, that's why right. that's why Scorsese oh, had to also call the TV it that. show Wise Guy, right? There, there was, was with the great Ken Wall with from uh, Fort Apache, the Bronx. But right, the book, right, right, right. the Nicholas Pileggi book, is called Wise Guys. Right. Yeah, that's why they, which is why they wanted they that to be the title of the movie, yeah. but oh, he couldn't have it be that because Piscopo of the movie. got it first. Piscopo. Yeah. Uh, That's why Ra- Raging Bull was originally called Fat Boy, oh. and but they're like, no, we can't do that because Piscopo, Piscopo's got that song. Oh my, oh my god. god! What? What? Uh, Joe wow. Piscopo has a song, a song called, called Fat, Fat Boy. Boy? Hey, I'm a little boy. Oh, I'm a tub of joy. Hey, I'm a fat boy. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. No. Now that you're saying it, I do yeah. remember that. I off do of, of New Jersey. New Jersey, this. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. And they were going to come by, so they, they went with the Raging Bull instead. They went with Raging Bull instead, right, because he's not fat the whole time. I'm a joy. You're my little toy. Hey, I'm the fat boy. Yeah. Yeah. The Irishman was supposed to be called The Honeymooners Rap, but they, <laughs> but they said, we can't do it. Piscopo and Murphy. Oh, Dan, what were you doing? Oh, my God. Uh, well, this will, if, if this doesn't tell you what I was doing or what I was in, I'll tell you, put it this way. I was singing this song 
over and over again. We got the teamwork to make the dream work. Let's go. Let's, Let's go. go. We're going to make it this time. We're going to take it home. Let's go. Let's, Let's go. go. Let's do it. Do it. Do it. That song. That's great. And the video, the VHS video, which I wore out. <laughs> wore it out of the back behind the seat. It was a t- video where you watched the video. And that was about five minutes. And then there was about 45 minutes of the making of the video <laughs> where it was like, oh, my God, there's Mookie Wilson. Oh, my God, there's Gary Carter. Oh, they're just being themselves. Oh, Keith Hernandez. Oh, that crazy <laughs> Roger McDowell. Oh, Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden, Bob Ojeda, all my favorites. This is the year, you guys. Yeah, this is a big this one for year. you guys. Look, I'm wearing the hat. I know you are. This is the year. But they, it all starts now, April of 86. We didn't mm. know yet. What was what was to come? We didn't know that the greatest World Series of all time was going to happen in a few short months. <laughs> we didn't know about the through the legs with Buckner and Mookie Wilson and the whole all the build up to that. But you know, Frank Cashin, the general manager, had put all the piece finally put all the pieces together, and he got Gary Carter from over here from the Expos, and he got Keith Hernandez, my favorite, from the Cardinals, and he brought in Gooden and Strawberry and all these people, and it was like this could be. It was the first time you were like this could be possibly yeah. the year. I mean, you guys remember, right? Being New Yorkers Absolutely. and especially oh, yeah, yeah. the, the crazy. Now, yeah, the Yankees weren't so awesome during this time. No, I was they upset. I was actually upset when the Mets won because really? all my friends. Yeah, because I was a Yankees fan and it's so stupid. Like now I look back and I'm like, right. ah, I should have just cheered for the Mets. But I felt like all my friends who were Yankees fans suddenly became Mets fans. And I was yeah, like, what the weather. hell, man? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and no I remember question. coming back from Hebrew school in Richard Coke, his mom's car, when listening to the game on the radio. And I remember being like, ah, son of a bitch. God darn it. Mets win. Yeah, I was like the one outlier which was you know which was me and my stupid air jordans yeah yeah you're more of a basketball guy yeah (laughs) yeah yeah we well the height and if that alone oh yeah would that song that let's go mets was that like through the i can't remember was it through the whole season or was was it something that they wrote in anticipation of the playoffs and when they were doing really well no you're right i think it was later on when they started when it really started to like sink in that oh no this team is dominant they yeah, are dominant. Yeah. They they are badasses. But the 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 other thing about the Mets is that they were all kind of jerks on top of it. Yeah, they were like the right. bad boys of baseball mm-hmm. who were like going out to a Long Island bar and getting drunk and getting arrested. And Keith Hernandez smoking in the dugout. And what's that white powder over there with <laughs> near Gooden? And yeah, you know, and it's like there, there's all kinds of and and Doug Sisk and guys like that drunk, just drunk, drunk. Uh, um. Lenny Dykstra, you know, all these guys, they were just a bunch of rowdy, you know, ne'er-do-wells. And you didn't see that in New York. They were the opposite of the Yankees yeah, is the thing. Yeah. The Yankees were clean cut. George Steinberg didn't allow anybody to have a mustache or a beard, you know, because um, remember, uh, Mattingly had to, Mattingly. Like, didn't yeah, he had had to the like, fight to keep his mustache. And and uh, they were all like, you got to shave that. But, you know, the 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 Mets were the opposite of that. And they were sort of the grungy sort of blue collar team. And then, yeah, October rolls around and the most amazing, you know, they're, they're the amazing Mets. They're, they did have the most amazing. And I still think to this day, it's the most amazing come from behind victory game mm. six, 86. But this is this is where all that begins. So I remember vividly, you know, going to middle school, 
wearing my Mets stuff like pretty much every day, trading baseball cards, talking about the Mets, you know, even with with, as you say, the fair weather fans, my whole family became Mets fans. We weren't, you know, I became a Mets fan because of this, but I stayed. They all went back to being Yankees fans oh, <laughs> a few short years so later. So were you a Yankees fan as a younger kid? Or I wasn't, I mean, really? I wasn't really in anything. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. remember having like, as a little, little kid, having like a Lou Pinella baseball card yeah. and like a, um, uh, uh, you know, Bucky Dent and like those guys, like I knew who those guys were mm-hmm. and I had their cards and we would watch the Yankees. But as the Mets started to, you know, come into their own in 83, 84, 85, especially, you know, and really start to to make their mark. I, I definitely was a Mets fan during all of that time. And I remained one. Now my family has, you know, during the Jeter era, I think all, all gradually swung back to being yeah. Yankees fans, but they don't root against the Mets. They're just like, you know, they're not, they're much more Yankees fans, but I still, that lineup was, fan. that lineup was pretty, that was legendary. Yeah. That oh line, that lineup was as legendary as the lineup of character actors in offbeat. <laughs> it was everyone, literally uh, everyone really you could true. think of. It was five-ish just five five-ish, five-ish is in it. Is this our first five-ish sighting of the podcast? Was has he been in anything else we've reviewed? Is, wait, was he? Ill? Wasn't he in? Why am I thinking he was in Quick Change for a hot second? Was he in that movie? He wasn't. The, he wasn't well the sixth then. Earl of Greystoke last week. <laughs> <laughs> Offbeat. Joe Gower's no ordinary guy. I know I'd seem like a lunatic. But why is he... Personating an officer. Why? What are you doing with that gun, Gower? What are you doing in that uniform? I never knew you were a policeman. Kind of a policeman, are you? Guy's trying to tell me he's not a cop. You're an undercover cop. Are you crazy? Judge Reinhold, Meg Tilly. <laughs> in the year's most offbeat comedy. Offbeat. <laughs> Joe Gower, played by Judge Reinhold, earns his living skating through the New York Public Library, fetching books from the shelves. However, when his police officer friend is chosen to participate in a charity dance performance, Joe agrees to take his place in the show by posing as a cop himself. While rehearsing beside the likes of a pre-Baby's Day Out Joe Montaigne and a pre-Dumb and Dumber Mike Starr, Joe falls for a female officer in the show, played by the delightful Meg Tilly, and gets into various scrapes with cops, crooks, including Harvey Keitel, former lovers, and former employers, including a baby-faced John Turturro. He also dances. He dances goofily, he dances joyfully, he dances like nobody's watching, which is particularly apropos as Offbeat earned only $2 million over its opening weekend en route to just $4.8 million (laughs) worldwide. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of Offbeat? Well, this was, as I mentioned last week, and I mentioned in the beginning of this, this was, it was, this was slightly traumatic. I thought this was going to, there's going to be a lot of trauma involved because I did in fact see this in the movie theaters Mm. and I saw this with Nina and I walked out. It was the first movie. I've only walked out of two movies. You were with me with, on one of them, Jason, when we saw the whole nine yards Oh no! I don't think I ever walked in. I don't think I. I don't think he didn't walk in. He couldn't have walked in. No, it was you. Because remember, I yelled, I screamed. We went to see it. We were upstate, 
and it was so bad, and oh. I couldn't take it, and I just went, ah, and I yelled, <laughs> and I ran out of the movie oh, theater. Now that you're saying it, now we were up, was it up in Salem? I think up it might have been in Salem. Season? Yeah. Okay. I just couldn't take it. I was like, this is so com- bad. Now it's coming back. Yeah, yeah. Did wow. we go into another movie? Or did no, it was towards leave? the end of the movie, and I was like, I just can't, I can't, and I, we were <laughs> laughing, and I just yelled, oh. and I just, I, I ran out. We used to oh. say, well, you know, we had a saying back in college when we would see something that we thought was really bad. We'd be like, oh my God, my ass is bleeding. This is so bad. My ass is bleeding. And that's what it was. It was like my ass just exploded and held me out of the seat and out. That is not why I left off beat. I left Mm. off beat because I was pouty and felt spurned by Nina. And I remember we went... We saw it. It was There was a movie theater on Plandome Road, which was sort of like the main drag in our town. And I think I might have gone with Damon or maybe with my friend Josh. We went with a few people. And it was one of those things where, like, I knew we were coming to the end. Like, I could sense that Nina wasn't into me anymore. There was something mm-hmm. going on. And I was like, feeling very insecure and like, oh, why, why aren't you paying attention to me? What's going on? What's what's happening? Like, I felt like she was she was having more fun with the other people there when, than with me. She's trying uh, to watch the damn movie. Let her maybe watch that's the movie. what it was. Maybe I wanted to make out with her and she yeah. was like, no, look, you didn't want to make out during Sherlock Holmes. I want to watch Judge Reinhold. So there I don't know what go. it was. That could have been it, but there was something weird going in and I was like pouting watching the movie. And I also didn't like them. I remember at the time being like, I don't like this. And finally I just got up and I left and I walked out and I left, but wow. it was mostly about being upset. I was upset that I don't know what I was, you know, I didn't know how to handle. I didn't know how to deal with, with girls at the time or relationships. No one ever told me. I didn't know how to talk to anyone. So I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to leave. And then I remember everyone came out mm-hmm. afterwards and it was like, Ah, uh, so what, what, what was up with walking out of the Judge Reinhold movie? And I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, so that's what, uh, and then we ended up, and then that was that was the end of it. So I, oh, whenever wow. I thought of this movie, I always went back to that. And I never in a million years did I ever think that I was ever going to go back and watch Offbeat. And then COVID wow. And then opening weekend podcast, and then this. So I was sort of excited to watch it. And so all that being said, I say that a lot on this podcast. That's my segue, I've noticed. All that being said, yeah, that's my thing. That's my my thing. That's going to be the name of my my autobiography. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. All things considered. Yeah, exactly. All that being said. (laughs) I was really, there there was a dividing point in this movie. The first half of it, I thought, oh, wait a minute. This is going to be a a surprise. This is going to be something that I'm not expecting. And I think I'm going to enjoy this. First of all, we have to talk about the, it, 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 I mean, it is a cavalcade of what character actors. What a it cast. Was, I was writing it down that we had, you had Bill Sadler, yes. Joe Montaigne, John yes. Turturro, Fred Gwynn, Harvey Keitel, and Victor Argo. They went from taxi driver to this. Mm-hmm. Mike Starr, yes. uh, Austin, Austin Pendleton. Pendleton. Austin Pendleton, great. He's Chris great. Noth, great scene. And then Five yeah, Finkel, Penn. Pen, Pen Gillette, Gillette, I mean. Pen Gillette. That was amazing. This was like a really uh, uh, new and quirky, like New York centric script. And I was, uh, you know, I, 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 the, the thing that, that 
that I, I I feel like where it just falls flat is the inciting incident. You know, you don't really buy the reason why everything happens, or you can buy it for a second. Ding, ding, so, ding, ding. You yeah, the whole it, idea is like. I don't want to take the, you know, his friend, the, the cop is like, there being yeah. This dance. Yeah. It's like so kind of ham fisted well, the, the way the, they, like the reason he, the reason he does it. Well, you owe me cause you messed up my drug bust. That yeah. is, the, it's like, okay. It starts to wear thin. Cause you're like, oh my God, you're a police officer and you're asking your friend to impersonate a police officer. Right. You're going to go to fucking jail. <laughs> and I feel like there's, th- there was, there was such a, a like a lovely feel about this movie and what it was mm-hmm. and just seeing all these these character actors in it thinking like oh wow they got they have some really good talent in this and i thought judge reinhold did a good job but halfway through i just got i got really angry i got <laughs> angry because i thought, you thought of nina you thought of the whole nina situation again no, I got over Nina. I got over it. I was like, oh my God, I'm getting over you this. You didn't whole get over trauma. it. You did not get over it. You're still in it. You're still, cl- <laughs> still I think it's safe it. to say offbeat is to blame for the end of this relationship with Nina and every relationship you've ever had that's gone bad. <laughs> and it can true. be traced back to offbeat. It just, it could have been really good. It could have been really good. And it, and by the end, I was annoyed. And it was funny. I was looking it up afterwards. And on the Wikipedia page, it says there's a little blurb that said, this article needs an improved plot summary. And I thought, no, the movie does. The movie. That's the whole thing. Because it could have been, you know, a movie I kept thinking of, and especially towards the end, Tootsie. Me too. I wrote that down. I said, it's got yeah. some very Tootsie like scenes. Has yeah, because it's about someone, uh, this relationship forming right. with these really f- like well fleshed out characters in a way. Yes. You know, Meg, yeah. t- wait, Meg Tilly or Jennifer Tilly? I always Meg Tilly. It was Meg, Meg Tilly. Meg Tilly. She's wonderful. She was yeah, lovely. She's in it. really good. And, 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 but one of them, unfortunately, is lying about who they are, you yeah. know, and that's the problem with this relationship. Uh, I just, there was never, I, I just wanted to be, I, I felt like Mark Medoff, who wrote it, I wish he could have figured out, and look, I'm not a writer. I, you know, I know it's hard to make a movie and there's a lot going into it, but, I wish there was a more plausible reason, even yeah. if Judge Reinhold was a cop. Maybe he was a cop and he got kicked out of the academy or so. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it what it was, but that's the thing. You have this great, all these great characters, and mm-hmm. you know, I thought the stuff with with the. I, I loved the choreographer. His name was um. Yeah, he was Jacques Dembois. Yeah, Jacques Dembois. Yeah. He was he was great, you know, and I loved all that stuff. Seeing these, you know, I, I bought all that. I bought the cops. I, the, the, yeah. the first scene when he's teaching them, you know, when he's auditioning them, I bought it. Hook, line, and singer. I'm Me like, too. yeah, this this seems like a real, you know, dance call with a bunch of dummies who don't want to be there. Um, you guys, I liked this movie. Um, I, you know, the 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 beginning sort of inciting incident aside, which I completely agree with you. Uh, on Fred, that is a leap of faith. And you have to take the leap that the movie takes. You either take it or you don't. I kind of, I 60, 70% took it. And I was like, all right, well, this, this doesn't track, but here we are. We're here. He's pretending to be a cop. There will be comeuppance. There'll be some sort of major thing that happens. And then there was, and I like a dope, I didn't see it coming. They set up 97 times. Oh, Mantegna and Tilly are hostage negotiators. 
Yeah. But then when he's actually taken hostage, I was like, oh, of course. Like it didn't, it did not, I should have seen that coming a mile away. And I didn't. I was the same way, Dan. When they showed up, I'm like, oh, right. And I actually thought it was really cool because you're like, <laughs> oh, now cool. you're going to see them doing yeah. what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, it took, yes. what I liked about it was, and it's so funny, I think about when this movie came out, they marketed it like Police Academy. Yeah. Now, remember That's the commercials? The it was, I it was, remember the video of the VHS, the cover of the VHS, and it yeah. looked like Police Academy. It looked wacky. It it's looked like Night not. Patrol. And you get lots of great scenes in and around New York. You get Katz's, you get Lincoln Center. Oh, you yeah. Get, um, you, you get the, that one. that Park and the library. Yeah, the library. All those. Sh- I've done so many events at the library, having been a bartender and gator waiter for so many years. It's like, I know that room. I know that stairwell. I know that. I know that room. That was really cool to see. It brought me back. And that, Long Island City. Well, that's what, that's what yeah. I was just going to say, Jason. I was yeah. like, yeah, I was like that, that, that bank, that bank and that elevated train right there. I know that. And that's yeah. Long Island City. That's right where the N train makes its big turn mm-hmm. above your head. The NW, I guess. But the main thing was, you know... Uh, you know, we talk about romancing the stone, having the same. In, in, that's what this reminded me of. I was like, oh, you have a here we go again with a guy who's basically a liar, you know, pretending to to be it's very in a very different way in romancing the stone. He's pretending to be helpful when he actually has something else going on, his own intentions going on for this. The intentions are good. It's well intentioned. He actually does love her. And I bought the relationship. I did. And me that's too. what that's what really sold me on this. I bought it and I was like, how's he going to, you know, oh, here we go with the pat explanation at the end. And somehow the 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 joy of the dance is going to be what brings her back around. And, they'll come and that's back. what I didn't like. And, they, and that's why I kept thinking of but they don't go that of way. Tootsie. But they don't go that way. They, he, he has to he has to actually make it plain to her right then and there before the curtain even rises. You yeah, know? but I didn't and then buy the dance it then. Is, and then the dance is goofy after that, which I kind oh, of loved. I, you know, I was like, oh, they're going to dance their problems away. And they didn't. They went the other way with it. And I kind of loved that. I didn't like I didn't like the credits rolling during the dancing. I was like, that's stupid. But I loved what he said to her. I loved yeah, what he said to too, her. Dan. Yeah, but I just me feel too. like she jumped into it right away. She's like, I love you, too. I wanted more of a Tootsie thing a where yeah. there's a struggle where you like what's what's wonderful about the end of Tootsie is she's pissed and she's like, you fucking lied to me you're and right, you took advantage right. of me. Yeah. But no, but she does. And, but she, she has feelings for her or him, you yes. know, but she feels like this whole relationship has been a lie. And so when Tootsie ends, it's not like, I love you. I love you too. It's like, yeah. I fucked up. I did something wrong. And in doing yeah. that, in the midst of doing that, I fell for you and you fell for me too. And there's something there and it's you like you're sensing that they're going to work on it and they're starting over. I wanted that because there were so many nice, honest moments in this. And I just thought, well, stick the landing then stick the landing with with that at the end. And the whole thing with turning to the left. Sorry. And then I'll shut up. But the whole, you set up the whole thing about like, he's this sad sack guy who could have feels like he could have had a better life if he only went to the left. You know, they set that up in the beginning. Yeah. And then it means nothing. It dies on the vine. It has no weight. But he brings it up at the end. He's like, well, see, and I finally went to the left. And you're like, what? But did no you? No argument there. Yeah, there's no payoff yeah. for that. So, yeah, for that. Well, the, the reason is because he is a very... He seems like a very happy guy. He doesn't seem like a guy who's like he's like he's, tortured by the... Like, he seems right. to like his miserable. life. And he, right. and he just... And he's like... He has this kind of ramshackle. He just tumbles forward like, yeah, okay, I'll do this. I'm going to be... 
yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll do the dance thing. I'll be a cop mm-hmm. for a while. Oh, I, this girl's great. Well, let me keep the uniform for a while. And he, he leads the double life without <laughs> any kind of, there doesn't seem to be a lot of um, um, uh, inner conflict about yes, it. Yes, yes. He doesn't seem tortured by this <laughs> right, at all. Right. Like maybe circumstantially, like there's, yeah. there's, uh, you know, frustrations here and there. But, uh, but it seems like he's pretty even keel, and he's a very sweet guy. What I, I do think it reminded me a lot of Tootsie, and I think it was great actors and these scenes that kind of let themselves play out in a where I thought it felt like Tootsie, even though there isn't a similar scene really is the scene of him in his apartment with his ex-girlfriend who's sitting there naked, covered up by the cushions. And they're just having that conversation there. And and he sits down with her and, you know, I mean, it's not, you know, Tootsie's a great movie because it's, it's not like every other movie you see, you know, there's something right. very unique about it and that feels very real. Um, and that's what I felt this movie had going for it. A lot of the time, even with the like ridiculous situations and setups, I felt like the interpersonal stuff played out in a way that felt very uh, honest. Like I even gimmicky kind of character, like the, the pendulette character. I was like, yeah, he's like one step away from a Unabomber, but he, he's like, you know, when he, when the, when he hands the gun to him and then he looks at it and says, this is the nicest present I've ever <laughs> given. Funny. There were a lot of times I laughed out loud uh, watching this movie. And, and, and the thing that you say about how, yes, the end of Tootsie versus the end of this, the difference with Tootsie is She's never like she's never been with him as himself. And I you know, I know you could say, well, Judge Reinhold's not really a cop, but Judge Reinhold does not ever act like a cop. He talks right. about the things that he's passionate about. He talks about wanting to open a toy store. He talks about, you know, I mean, he's, he's being himself. He's being himself, really. He just happens to be wearing a uniform. So I yeah. can buy that she fell in love with this person and that this person who's presenting himself now he's not pulling off like makeup and a wig and a mask and being like i know you know he doesn't have like a totally different voice like the toxic avenger does Uh, (laughs) he feels very much still the guy that she was very clearly falling for and so yeah even though it is a big leap and he has been living a lie there's something about how true he is to himself throughout the proceedings that makes it feel like in a fucked up way, even though he posed as a police officer, it somehow feels <laughs> yeah. like a white lie. And uh, maybe that's not great <laughs> drama or conflict, but I, it made the ending work just fine for me. And I did. I love oh. the little silhouette of them talking to each other. And I thought Judge Reinhold and Meg Tilly, really simple, straightforward, lovely. Like yeah. I watched this movie and I'm like, oh, yeah, I see what people why judge reinhold was such a thing for a, a period of time in the mid 80s yeah. like he could have really gone he could have gone like tom hanks he could he could i don't know i don't know if he can do he's got a very interesting rhythm to him that, yeah hanks can do it yeah there's a very kind of sweet just like this is me and this is what i'm i'm bringing to the right. table he's just very he feels very honest and open and affable and he's yep. Funny and he started uh, to bore me by the end, though. I got a little bored with him. I don't know why I didn't. I I didn't either. I I, I, like did not expect to like this. I totally thought it was (laughs) going to be like Police Academy or or that other um, Judge Reinhold thing, Head Office or something. Oh God, that's a real bad one that Danny DeVito has a tiny bit in. Mm. Yeah, I just thought it was like going to be like very standard, very standard eighties comedy. I didn't expect it to be reminding me of great. 80s comedies like Tootsie. Let's just put it that way. And uh, 
I thought it did. And I liked Montaigne. Everybody, I liked everyone in it. Really. Oh yeah. They're all good. His first scene. It's like, uh, I was, I was, that was a real letdown. Cause I was like, Oh, this movie's going to be about adult. You know, this right. movie's going to be about a dummy who doesn't know that he's a dummy. Uh, we've seen this a million times, but then it wasn't, it's just that he's affable. It's, a, it's exactly what you're saying, uh, Jason. It's just yeah. that he's very positive. He's kind. He's kind of an innocent, yeah. you know, he has a great fucking apartment for working at the, in the basement of the <laughs> library. Apartment. He's gorgeous. <laughs> um, so he has a lot going for him. <laughs> you know, why wouldn't Meg Tilly like him? I thought they were going to set it. And she also was like, and she's like, I don't want to date a cop. I, I promised myself right? I never date a cop. I was like, well, this is the easiest transition you're ever going to make <laughs> in terms of relationship exactly. woes and conflicts. I just, I guess I thought they, everything was so honest. They were really, I was, I, like you guys, I was very surprised by the honesty behind it and the simplicity mm-hmm. and like that scene in Katz's is great. Like when she punches yeah, uh, the bald dude, yeah. like, yeah. you know, that could have been played as laughs or goofy, but it wasn't. It was really, you felt like it was a real conversation with cops and like it was, it was all justified. And, and she was shocked with herself. Like she wasn't okay yeah. with herself after it. She was like having a moment of like, I, that was not the real me. Yeah. You know what I mean? She, so to she me, was, it's, it's, it just, like I said, it sort of died on the vine at the end. I just, I wish they, it, it, it lost its honesty towards the end for me. And I was, I got really angry because I was like, Oh, this was so, I'm so surprised at how sweet this is. And it's such like a sweet, quirky New York story. Mm -hmm. There's things Mm -hmm. that are wrong with it. And like I said, I wish I was like, I I wish there could have just been a better way to get him there. I don't know how, again, I don't know if like if he was a cop or just, another a slightly more plausible reason or or maybe in the way they were playing it him and the actor playing Abe but maybe if the stakes were a little higher you know that maybe that's what it was like Abe seemed to be playing a little goofy like oh man this is crazy you're gonna get me I'm like no you will get sent to fucking jail it it is a goofy premise up front and then I don't know what it is when they got to the dance audition I was like what the fuck is this and I was like oh it's great though that was great the audition scene was fantastic and from then yeah. on, I was on. I was like, I like that so much, and I liked the turn that the movie was taking. And I thought, oh, all right. I yes, the setup is like, yeah, it's like paper you say, thin. It's so it's very yeah. thin. It's yeah. very goofy, you know, in its way. And that's mm-hmm. probably the thing you're sensing from that actor who plays uh, Abe is that he is kind of saddled with. He bears the goofiest weight of the movie because he's right. got to be like the cop who like hands over his identity and yeah, should know so much better and is kind of keeping this ball in the air about the, the, the threat of being found out. But yeah, that I think there's something, like you say, a little two dimensional, a little thin about that, that, uh, you know, maybe he just was playing into that with his performance, but I still found him likable. Um, yeah. I also yeah. thought really Harvey Keitel. You're going to hold the gun against his arm at the end? That what was, I did catch that too. I was like, come on, Kaitel. What are you I doing? I will blast his arm off. I will blast. <laughs> now, he and Argo are both in Last Temptation, right? Yeah, Last Temptation. The, they play the apostles. Yeah. And Taxi Driver. They're Which in all the Scorsese great. movies together. Hey, Jesus, wow. I got a problem with you over here. Oh, <laughs> over here, Jesus. Right over here. Thank You're a carpenter. 
I just remember Keitel yelling that. Yes, you're a carpenter. You're a carpenter. Fix my yeah. shelf. I mean, Victor Argo was he was he was quite silly in this, but it was weird. Yeah, like when they great. when they showed no, up, I was fun. like, what the fuck is Harvey Keitel doing in this movie with those tight slacks? I love that he was in it with his tattoo. I know. Yeah, thought, they were thought, really great. I everybody was great, and yeah, and I liked the payoff at the end. I found their little silhouetted back and forth conversation before the dance really charming lovely i actually i was put off by yeah i was put off by the credits rolling a thing i actually thought when they were rehearsing the dancing they were better than they were in the dance at the end like i it didn't you're right it didn't um it didn't make sense to me it didn't jive i was like i was like why is this so like they never you're danced right. before you know yeah. he had worked with them and they were pretty good especially reinhold and tilly were good and they were getting moved up to like a featured couple or something i was like it would have been great if they d- actually did a good dance number instead of something so kind of silly over the credits. that's what but, i was hoping yeah. almost yeah. like you know like a full monty thing where it's like because that that audition yeah. sequence was fantastic and what, what's his name again jacques dembois he was jacques dembois yeah he's he a major great. dancer like major yeah. like like legendary dancer his, i think his yeah. daughter is charlotte dembois who's a yeah, huge Broadway so. actress oh, yeah. but so. you know that was great and you really Thought watching all these character actors and actresses being bad dancers, but really trying. And so like, yeah, I, I, you, you sort of wanted them to succeed and they never become great, but it was very, it was done in a very realistic way. Like it, see, it tracked in real time mm-hmm. from rehearsal to rehearsal. You saw them getting a little bit better, but they're never great. But it, it did seem to sort of, again, die on the vine with like, now you're going to make it goofy with the credits rolling. Like Now, was, was Michael Dinner ever on the shortlist to direct Lunchline? I'm sorry. <laughs> he did uh, direct <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Um, uh, well, listen, Nina, if you're out there and you're listening, uh, Offbeat, it's on YouTube. You can watch the whole movie on YouTube. We can get together. We can Why would watch she it. want to revisit that trauma just because you did? She wouldn't want She didn't want to go back to that. You pouting. All she can think about, you pouting. You pouting. <laughs> It yeah, wouldn't be traumatic yeah, anymore. Yeah. Yeah, we could watch going, it. You, as- miss, you miss Fred Gwynn. You missed Harvey Keitel. <laughs> no, I don't care. I don't want to see. I don't want to see Fred Gwynn. I've seen all the monsters. I don't want to see Harvey Keitel. <laughs> all the monsters. I don't want to see Victor Argo. Yeah. Fred Gwynn, so good. And I'm thinking wonderful. of this and my cousin Vinny. He's I was so just going to say, funny. Yeah. Jason, I was just going to say, my cousin Vinny, he's wonderful actor. in that. Did you say Utes? Yeah, two Utes. What is a Ute? My favorite um, out of all the, the the millions of character actors in there, I really liked Austin Pendleton yeah, as the gun great. salesman. He was His little role. Mwah, chef's yeah. kiss. He, he was fucking it. great yep. in that scene. And He's so uh, good. And I really liked Montaigne in it. I yeah. liked Montaigne in it more than I've liked Montaigne in most <laughs> things. <laughs> Other than his, other than his friend, who I was, you know, here and there on, I thought all the acting, all through, like I couldn't believe how good everyone was. Everyone really, it it was a surprise. Like I said, I wish it was. I, I'd probably give it. I don't know. I'm going to go seven Sheilas. uh, Had if, if, if maybe the inciting incident was a little stronger, and Mm -hmm. like I said, to me, it died on the vine at the end. I keep using that phrase, but that's how it felt to me. That's still It would have been higher, I think. I'm in the exact same place. I was going to go 6.5, but now that you're going 7, Fred, I have to like it at least as much as you. Seven. Well, it's you know seventy. I'll give it a C. You know, it's an, it's it's a it's a C movie. It's it's I I didn't think it was terrible by any means. I thought it was yeah. pretty surprisingly I was like, charming. 
Seven. I was like 7.5 to mm-hmm. 8, and I might just go, since you're at a 7, and I think I clearly liked it a little more than you, Fredo, I think I'll, uh, maybe that's high, but let's go 7.75. That's right. Oh, you're almost at an 8. So that's what I'm saying, because I was wow. between 7.5 and an 8 anyway, so I'll just go, I, I will, I'll go right in the middle. I was very surprised and charmed by it, and I did not expect to be. I really liked it. My wife just texted saying, Judge Reinhold married a girl from Arkansas. He's very happy. Just saying. Aww. Aww. Isn't that nice? Do they have kids? How many little critters do they have together? Oh, for God. They got a bunch of little critters. <gasps> a judge. How do you, what do oh, you, for God. little critters. His wife. <laughs> for God. No, sake. not at all. Not at all. I didn't you mean to. Oh, oh, no, you were doing, holy shit. <laughs> I swear to God. I was, this is how fucking dumb I am. I didn't even know you were doing a segue. I thought you were just insulting Taylor's the entire South. hands and roots. I thought you were like, how many, how many, uh, you know, how many pond critters you got there out back there? I really thought you were just making fun of people from the South falling in love and having children. Wow, Jason, uh, a little more fucking coffee or something before you do you know, it. It wasn't the finest of segues, but it I couldn't think not. of anything to do with M.M. at Walsh. So, you know. You said the title was great. three times and I didn't catch on. Shame on me. Shame on you. You know why? Because you're not feeling the power of the night. Shame on critters. <laughs> No, maybe not. Maybe we all love critters. We're going to find out with critters. <laughs> of all the planets in the galaxy, they chose ours. <laughs> they hide in small places. This phone is dead. What? They light the dark. Jay, any luck? Just a minute. There's nothing cute about them. They've come a long way, and they're hungry. Critters, they bite. When fuzzy, bloodthirsty creatures from outer space arrive on a farm, the Brown family, led by matriarch Helen, played by E.T.'s D. Wallace Stone, must fend off the malevolent little aliens with the assistance of two shape-shifting bounty hunters who have followed the aggressive furballs to Earth. Co-written and directed by Stephen Herrick of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure fame, Critters became a low-budget stealth hit, opening with a mere $1.6 million, but finishing its theatrical run with $13.2 million. Fred and Dan, what'd you boys think of them little critters? I'll tell you what. Somebody get used to sound the horn. I bet you he loves this movie. (laughs) I bet he does. Uh, I lived in Kansas, gentlemen. This movie takes place in Kansas. I don't know if you remember, but I lived in Kansas yes. for two years. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> right you're there. An expert on Kansas. We exactly. Makes me Jesus an expert. Christ. Christ Kansas almighty. and critters. This guy, shut up about Kansas. It's all he talks about. Now, it's uh, two things. One, Kansas. <laughs> two. <laughs> I used to have the all the old, uh, you know, you you know, I had the old Roger Ebert guides, right? Yeah. Yes. And in the back, he has his wonderful rules, right? It's like fruit cart. If you see a fruit cart, there's going to be a car that drives through it, you know. So you got to yell yes. fruit cart at the screen. You know all those wonderful rules in yeah, the back yeah, of his yeah. books, and they were great. 
one of the rules was the Stanton Walsh rule. Any movie that has Harry Dean Stanton or M. Emmett Walsh can't be all bad. Yes, and I, that is so true. It's absolutely true. It's a hundred percent true. And he's fucking fantastic. He's fantastic. Right? Very good. And uh, this movie, this goes right into immediately into hidden gem category for me. I really enjoyed this. Um, Have you I ever liked seen it. it? No, I had never seen it before. <laughs> I liked it much better than Ghoulies, which is a piece of shit. Yeah, total piece of shit. That's awful. Yeah. And I kind of thought these were going to be the same movie. Like, I don't know what I was what I was thinking. That's I knew it wasn't going to be as good as like a Gremlins, but I was like, oh, this because, is going to be a slog. It was after Gremlins. Ghoulies, it was like Ghoulies, right. Critters, Munchies. Well, that's how they came out. <laughs> munchies was the one with fucking Harvey Corman. And like, it was just like a little a little dinosaur that goes under ladies' that's skirts right. and stuff. Ghoulies was the one I remember in, you go to the, the video toilet. store and it was it was in the toilet, yeah. right? Yeah. The little guy in yeah. the toilet, yes. yeah. And so mm-hmm. I remember going, you'd see the VHSs all lined up. Ghoulies, Critters, Munchies, this one, Gremlins, Gremlins 2, this one, that one, Critters 3. And they'd all be lined up and go, oh, gosh, I don't know if I can sit through any of these. We all rented Ghoulies because of the toilet, because of the picture. Yeah. It was funny of the little green ghoulie in a striped shirt coming out of the toilet. And so we all rented that and we went, oh, this was terrible. Therefore, we never rented Critters because we were mm-hmm. like, this is going to be worse. It doesn't even look like it's funny. Same exact thing for me. Damon same. and I, I remember watching Ghoulies at Damon's house and I yeah. I never saw this for that exact same reason. Yep. Yeah. Same reason. So I avoided Critters. This was so fun. D. Wallace Stone is doing like she's committing to this like it's fucking Shakespeare. Like it's it is it, she is so she is as of, horrified as she is in Cujo. I think. She, <laughs> she's fully However, horrified. You're at right. At one point when she was screaming, I, I kept she at one point she was like, Well, check him again. And I wanted to be like, God damn it, I was in ET. Yes. Oh yeah. You do wonder if she's like, I am slumming hardcore. I am married to Oliver Stone, who directed and won Best Picture for Platoon in this year. She was married to Oliver. That's why she's Wallace Stone. D. Wallace Stone. She was married to Oliver Stone. No idea. I'm going to check it right now. I never knew that either. I'm going to check it right now. Wow. I I didn't know that. She was married to Sly and the Family Stone. (laughs) I had no idea. A uh, romancing uh, tea stone. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, I'm so wrong, you guys. I'm so. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm sorry, that didn't sound right. Thousand percent wrong. Her spouse, Christopher Stone, American actor, died in 1995. You insensitive assholes. The dad, Billy Green Bush. Terrific. I liked him. I loved I really him. enjoyed him. I loved him. And and it's because he's so genuine and so sincere. Yeah. And that freaking thing bites the heck out of his carotid artery. And he's still standing. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. I love the I love the best. It's a movie. Yeah, it's a movie, people. Okay. He would be dead. Like, like, he's still standing. This actor. How is this actor doing it? Had actually, had the pain. critters biting him. How is he playing through the pain? I mean, they were actual critters. Did you see them? You saw them, And the, the Rum Tum Tugger was there with that big gun. That's right. Terrence Mann. Man. He was the Rum Tum Tugger. He did that big leap in the music video. I was like, oh, he's the Tugger. He was great. He was great. He's the original yeah. Javert, too, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, is he? I didn't know. Yeah. Yes, he is. And that's why he that's why when he's facing the critics, he's like Jean Valjean <laughs> Critter. You know who's dun, great dun, in it? Who I'm like who I've never liked in any other movie? Billy fucking Zane. Yes. He's better than he's ever been. He's ever like, been. He's like he's, yeah, yep. he very his 
he's just very natural and funny. He's got like a real, a real movie star vibe from this. And then he's, it's so funny that in this movie, which might be his first movie for all I know, uh, you know, he, he's playing it so kind of really straight and genuine and he's charming and funny. And he doesn't want to piss off the father. No, he's so good. He's trying to be sincere. Yeah. Right down the middle. The girl who plays the daughter, I thought was very good. She's I don't think I've ever heard of her being in any other movie. Nadine Vandervelde. Yeah, I, I never heard of her before. And the, yeah. the, the little boy was good. I mean Scott my, Grimes. Scott Grimes. What Scott Grimes he? was great. He was what in was band. He he's done millions of stuff, but he was yeah. he was in the Band of Brothers. Was. I just watched him in that oh, recently, he's all which I never place. seen. Yeah. You know uh, who's in it with M. Emmett Walsh? Uh the woman's name is Lynn <laughs> Shea. Uh Oh. Now she is now. This movie is produced by New Line Cinema. The man who started New Line Cinema is Robert Shea. He produced all the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff or whatever. Okay. I think Lynn Shea is either she's his wife or or you know sister or something, some sort of relation. But she's so funny uh, that she's the operator. That she's the oh yeah, she's the actress who's in all those Farrelly Brothers movies. She plays. Uh, <gasps> Uh, I um, was wondering why she looked familiar. There's something about Mary. You she, talked and, about uh, her before. Yes. Mainly, yes something about yes. Mary and uh, in Kingpin, where she's just yeah. horrifying. And both Very of those, funny. really. And she's a really great actress and really funny. But, good yeah, cast all the way through. People. You get M. Emmett Walsh. You know, he's, he's, uh, I love that scene where he wakes up in bed. He's got I mean, Dolly he's Parton from so 9 great. to 5 yeah. next to his. Did you notice that? that? Yeah, we're watching. Taylor goes, Dolly. I'm like, what are you talking about? Dolly. It's a picture of Dolly right there. And Dolly from nine to five. Right. Specifically (laughs) Specifically a picture of her in nine to five. Yes. Out and put on it. I mean, what a great little character thing in Critters. Working nine to five. Why is the one guy shape-shifting constantly, but the Terrence man, he's like, no, I'm good he, with being the rock star. He said he he says something like, they don't like me. Or I don't know if it's that. Yeah. The idea seems to be that you have to have some sort of oh, um, synergy know, with it. kind of synergy okay. with the, the being that you're co-opting. You're taking on. That's right. stuff I could, I, I could have done without. That was I didn't that kind mind of that he kept changing. I thought it was funny. It gave the other actors who had kind of smallish yeah. parts. Except for the 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 simple Jack there, the the the, 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 the <laughs> he did look idiot. like simple Jack. He looks exactly like Ben Stiller. In uh, <laughs> yes. uh, he looks like Ben Stiller, the simple Jack. In simple Jack. It made me think. I wonder if Ben Stiller took that from the character. <laughs> ah, in that's what they I did look like. like simple Jack, the story of a mentally impaired farmhand who can talk to animals was a box office disaster that many critics called one of the worst movies of all time. I had fun. I had a lot of fun. I love that the critters are also like, uh, they have weapons. Fuck them. You know, you, and that's only in the in the subtitles. The so they're just going, and you see the subtitles. I thought that, that I thought was it, very I thought it walked the line fuck. between. When the critter yeah. yelled fuck. That's yeah. what it was. I thought it walked the line between, um, between uh, comedy and true you know scary horror pretty pretty darn well and i I thought that was fun i just never laughed though really i I think they were going for trying to be funny yeah i i laughed because i thought it was ridiculous i'm like really the critters are saying fuck i don't know it just seemed a little i laughed but i i was like like, i don't gremlins with edge you know like being like the critters these little things are gonna talk like that but i yeah no i i i I didn't find them that scary 
They were like they, the critters yes, they are were... the least interesting part of the movie. Critters <laughs> is what I came away with on this rewatch. Yeah. I was like, boy, I really didn't need the critters so much. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, friend. <laughs> no, I don't know. I wanted it to be. I guess I wanted it to be. You know, you know, it's so funny because thinking about it, I, like I, I was with you, Dan. You know, I yeah. didn't see it. We rented Ghoulies, but even then, <laughs> I remember when all these movies came out. I was, and I've mentioned this before. I was a scaredy cat. I still am. I was, I was scared of these movies. I'd see them in, oh, yeah. you know, in the in the video store, and I was like, yeah, no, nah, nah, you know, Gremlins, I can handle, but no, 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 this stuff looks a little too dark and scary. So I didn't want to watch it. And in retrospect, I wish it was a little scarier. I mean, I like the fact that they were playing the comedy of it as, as well. Yeah, I wasn't really laughing too much. I feel like that had to do with some pacing issues mm. here and there, especially with the two aliens, with the, with Terrence Mann and and the shape shifting guy. That stuff seemed to go a little too slow for me. You know, there mm-hmm. were some scenes that I didn't think were directed very well to keep things moving. Uh, but I, I thought it, it was weird. It missed out on these. You know, you have like the, the the violence of the critter, you know, tearing apart Billy Zane, which I just kept thinking like, oh, my God, yeah. Billy Zane, you know, this young actor and they're like, here, take this furry Muppet and then pretend that it's <laughs> eating your guts out, you know, just it's as like an a actor. Tribble. It's like a, like an it evil totally tribble. It was like a tribble. Yeah, yeah. I wrote that. Down. Yes. But when they uh, at one point, like he throws Scott Grimes, throws the uh, the M80 or the firecracker, he puts mm-hmm. it in his mouth. Yes. And you're like, really? There's no exploding critter? We don't get an exploding critter. Yeah. He just has indigestion and dies. And I thought, ah, oh, boo. That it exploded been. inside him. I thought that was very funny. Yeah, it exploded I, inside. I, it was very, it was very Looney Tunes cartoon. And then it just went and just fell yeah, over. It's pretty, I love that. It's pretty low rent as, the, I mean, obviously as these things go, right? I, I wrote down, I was like, it's no gremlins, but it's also no leprechaun. I mean, you know, it's like. It, <laughs> I kept thinking of leprechaun as well. Yeah. I, I it's much it, better than I leprechaun. It's much That's better it. than that. <laughs> But it's no disorderly. You know, the funny thing is, it's not real. It does feel very much like a, a very fifties kind of sci-fi movie on the farm and the sheriff and you know, oh sure, yeah, okay. snatching and beca- they're becoming us. And because Gremlins was the thing of the moment, they were like, well, that's the hook. Little creatures with a name like that, you know, yeah. like ghoulies, critters, whatever. And <laughs> and that that's the hook, even though that's just it felt very uh, kind of incidental. And it also is cheap because the thing about the critters is they are just like nubs. They're just they're like tribbles. They're just, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. balls that don't have any. They have no limbs. They have no expressions. <laughs> they have no you know, they can't right. do anything. They're not, you know, they're not the, the works of art that some other creatures, Rick Baker things or whatever. Are. Until they, so tur- they get like, bigger and they turn into Sweetums from the Muppets. Yes. He really or, was or, Sweetums. Like Sweetums or, um, or from your favorite movie there uh, what the wild things are. That's why it looks a lot like oh yeah like those creatures wow where the wild things are but it's like you know it's the mayhem scenes the ones that want to replicate gremlins are such weak tea like we're having a pillow like just two critters just shaking a pillow and you know it's like "Mm, yeah really and the one that's that's cute the one is like messing with the et doll because d wallace stone you know it's that was fun i like that part but it was like mostly just yeah, I thought the same cute, thing as you, like, Jason. I'm like, oh, this is supposed to be the Gremlins bar scene, and yeah, it's it's not. Really, it's not. But the thing is, uh, and I think when I was a kid, because I did see this opening weekend in the, in the movies, and I wrote uh, the review for my uh, school paper, and I was very hooked on the 
I enjoy, I actually, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I think I knew as I was watching it, I was like, even then I was like, well, this is better than ghoulies, you know, I, definitely. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I was, I had a chip on my shoulder, like, don't try to be great. You're not fucking gremlins. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but when you watch it, you realize it really is kind of, it's just using that the same way Toxic Avenger and any other, all these kind of things that are just trying to, something to, to grab an audience and pull them in, you know, they're, just it's it's exploitation in a way it's just trying to exploit the idea of that kind of kitty friendly horror thing and get people in to see this movie that didn't really need the critters at all i mean they needed some sort of alien force but there's nothing again because they can't create that much mischief and they can't do that much they're not really very interesting as central figures in the movie but i liked all the humans pretty much yeah uh, i i thought it was pretty you know it was pretty well done but it's it's kind of it is all over the place absolutely Um, it is hard like it's a schlocky looking movie like the special effects are bad oh yeah they're not they're not I didn't think they were that bad. Yeah, that no, bad. they're pretty bad. They're pretty bad. They're, but I mean, not, but I wouldn't expect better. low budget better. for a low budget. You I know what I mean? For like, this. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. It's the, I guess it's the expectation. But the, the, you know, I mean, I guess you're right, Jason. All you have to do with a, with something that's basically a furry ball is roll it onto set and go, okay, the, the critter is moving, oh, you yeah. know, but, that, <laughs> but I kind of like that because of the theatricality, this sort of low rent theatricality of that, of like, okay, th- we're going to roll this after you like a bowling ball and just run from it. I think well, that's kind of fun. There's nothing better than the fucking tribbles in that Star Trek. And that's you're right. like, it's literally nothing. It's, it's a koosh yeah. ball. Yeah. That's right. Great. And it it's works. so funny. Yeah. Um, the one thing that really didn't work for me in this is the, you know, they set up that Terrence Mann is basically he takes on the persona of a Bon Jovi or an Eddie Van Halen, like a like a famous rock star. Johnny right? Steele. Yeah, where where he would be known. And I it's know. like, oh, that's gonna be fun. Everywhere he goes, everyone's gonna go, Oh, Johnny Steele, sign my autograph. Johnny Steele. It only Steele, happens once. It, it barely yes. barely happens, even with the kid. Barely. Yeah. You know, they're like, Oh, you're Johnny Steele. Great. On you're we right. go to fight critters. He should have been in that bowling alley. Everybody in that bowling alley, I don't care if you're in the middle of Kansas, everyone in that bowling alley would have known who John Bon Jovi was, right? Who he, this guy yeah, sort of right. they styled him after him a little bit with the hair and stuff. Any of those 80s guys, you know, 80, 80s, um, you know, pop rock stars, they would have, they would have uh, uh, styled him after, right? But so that means he would have been known and that would have been super fun. That could have been something fun to exploit and they don't do a damn thing with it. You know, they do more with the other guy because he is known in the town. Um, mm-hmm, you right. know, the priest or the drunk or whatever, which or the other cop, which the Ethan Phillips guy, whichever one he's taking on at any particular moment. So that was that was where the movie like really misstepped for me. I was like, you didn't do anything with this. Why? Why? Yeah, even I, agree bother? With you. I thought why, the same thing. You know, why bother having it? But overall, I really had surprising fun. And I I, I put this with a leprechaun, actually, kind wow. of uh, just above a leprechaun, because I consider them both sort of hidden gems. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it a hidden gen. I would give it, I I don't know what I gave Leprechaun, but I would give this above that. But I'm still thinking like for me, I'm like in the four or five range. I don't, I don't need to see it again, I think. Mm. Although it's funny, I I realized my friend Paul Withhorn actually was in Critters 4. Jesus. Yeah. 
And Leonardo DiCaprio is in Critters 3. That's right. Yeah. Oh, well, well that's here's the thing. so funny. I was going to say, so I had much a Leo fun. vibe from Billy Zane. And that's <laughs> like a young Leo. Yes. Vibe. Anyway. We had so much fun watching Critters. My wife and I, we were like, let's let's look at the trailers for Critters 2 and 3. And yeah, lo and behold, there's DiCaprio in the trailer for Critters 3. We were very close to like renting Critters 2, even though it's, you know, on Amazon, you have to rent it. We were like, let's watch the next one. I might have seen that only because it came out while I was working at the video store. It probably yeah, came out in like 1988 or 87. You know what I mean? Like how the alien cell phone is able to put a house back together. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot yes. that part. It was, that was late. pretty dumb. Listen, <laughs> clearly you don't know how to use the new Android because it can do a lot. It can do a lot of things iPhone that the iPhone can't can put, do. Put your house back together. That's true. I'm going, you're going four, Fred, you said? Yeah, I'll do like a four and a half. I, guess. I liked this better than Offbeat. I gave it a wow. seven. I gave Offbeat a seven, so I'm going seven point five. Really? Oh my gosh, Le Critères! I'd watch this again in a second. I had a blast. Uh, Jeez. I, had, I had a blast. I'm going to go. I have been. <laughs> I was going to. I was low. I was like oh. in the four-ish territory, four to five, and now I'm like. Well, there's a there's enough that I enjoyed about it. I'm M- gonna M- just tip it. M- yes, M- I'll go. With, I'll 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 take that and I'll give it a five point five, which means yes. just over the middle. Yeah. Because I did. There was stuff I enjoyed about it. It's not. It's not unfun to watch. The actors are good. It's uh, you know, it's it's enjoyable enough. But I think I thought it was gonna be even. More, I thought I was. I thought I was going to get more of a visceral kick out of it, or something, mm. and uh, because of the critters, and that, like I said, that was my least favorite part of the movie, <laughs> were the critters. Fuck off. Uh, yeah, the only thing uh, I have in the sack uh, this week is actually from our friend. Michael Zarzicki, who requested <laughs> our recent episode uh, profiling uh, House Party and Joe versus the Volcano. He has since shared that episode with his students. He teaches a, a course in podcasting at Half Hollow Hills High School. Um, and Do we know was, what the students thought of it? Do we have any information on that? I asked him to okay. send us some reactions. Okay, he has okay. not yet, but I did. Oh, God. When he and I were corresponding earlier this week, I said, oh, let us know how your students enjoyed it. If they have any comments or thoughts, we'd love to hear from them. So maybe we'll get some some more sack fodder from uh, from, from the uh, students. Mr. Zarzicki's students. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, just, I hope In the students time. think that I'm the bomb do students say that anymore? Do they say the bomb diggity. They say yeah. the bomb diggity. Um, <laughs> uh, so he said he, he was he was pleased with the episode. He said it's going to fit well into his class structure. Great. Um, and then he said, I'm also pleased to hear that the three of you, for the most part, enjoyed the movies. Your commentary slash criticism, criticism, Jason? Fucking <laughs> Criticism, more like criticism. <laughs> because this podcast is full of shit. You're more like criticism. <laughs> Your commentary <laughs> slash criticism, I can oh. talk, for House Party was excellent. The three of you hit the mark on everything I've always loved about that film, going back to when I saw it as a teenager on Long Island. I think it will go over well with the students. I was a little disappointed in the 5 to 6.5 Sheila ratings for Joe versus the Volcano, however. 
exclamation point. He's really upset. I really thought the premise would resonate with the three of you a little more, especially about how John Patrick Shanley tries to simplify in parable fable form, the existential plight that we all deal with, and what it means to truly live. Joe's odyssey and personal growth about conquering his fears of living in order to live deeply truly changed my life when I saw this when I was younger. Whether it's Ossie Davis's wonderful performance as wonderful. the limo driver. He was great. We forgot to mention Ossie Davis. He's wonderful. Always he's wonderful. wonderful. Really good. Old Man River by Ray Charles playing in the background as Joe saves the broken flower on the crooked road. M- or- music happens in movies. Keep going. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, Michael also liked the <laughs> Meg Ryan's soul sick speech on the boat. He says there are so many beautiful sequences that touch an existential nerve in me about life, living and getting away from the things of man. So many little Easter eggs and nuances that I absolutely recommend the three of you watch it again at some point. That's not happening. So Never. Zicky, but I'm happy to read your <laughs> Never. I bet Critters anything. I will watch on a loop until the cows come home. That movie I'm never watching oh, again. Says, I, I will watch the Dan Hedaya scene again and again. Because that, that was brilliant. So, As he says, we are theatrical truth seekers who are, who are constantly, you know, trying to wade through the, the existential haze of life to try to find those, those, those true and honest parables and fables. And so that's why when, when you hear a piece of prose like, I always did want to cornhole me a blind bitch where we're introduced to uh, such honest characters with names like Professor <laughs> Snotburger. These are the little bits of, of truth and existentialism and, and you know, nuggets of life that what we're trying to find in this, what we're grasping for and what I think we find when we do cornhole movies Wow. Uh, with our eyes open, oh, no. Uh, no. such as the Toxic Avenger. Bravo, bravo, bravo. I, I, am I, I right or am I right? And, and, well, and a movie that explores the existential plight of man, if ever there was one. If I, I guarantee Michael Zoyzicki would be looking for a new job or a new <laughs> home or a place to sleep if he showed his students the Toxic Avenger. Meet little Melvin. He's a 90-pound weakling. Everyone hated Melvin. Yeah, I'm gonna take this mop and shove it down your throat. They teased him. I wanna do it with you. Okay. They taunted him. They tormented him until he had a horrifying accident and fell into a vat of nuclear waste. Transforming little Melvin into a hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength. Melvin became the Toxic Avenger. Melvin, played by Mark Torgold. <laughs> his name is spelled T-O-R-G-L. I don't know how to say T-O-R-G-L, so I say, played by Mark Torgold. <laughs> hey, can I buy a vowel, Mark Torgold? <laughs> Oh, Melvin, played by Mark Torgel, you've done it again. <laughs> anyway, listen, this guy Melvin, he's a nerdy, young, health club janitor from New Jersey. Is this ringing yes. any bells, Dan? Who lands in a vat of toxic waste and becomes a semi-benevolent monster, played by Mitchell Cohen. The Toxic Avenger is brutally, ridiculously violent and sexist, but its humor is, at the very least, intentional. The Toxic Avenger caught on with filmgoers after a long and successful midnight movie engagement at the Bleecker Street Cinema 
in Greenwich Village in late 1985 and went on to earn a broader release alongside Critters and Offbeat on April 11th, 1986. However, while it is now regarded as a cult classic that spawned sequels, a stage musical, and even a children's cartoon, which is odd considering the source material features a child's head being smashed by a tire, a dog being shot in the stomach, a shotgun being pointed at a baby, and a blind woman nearly being raped, the Toxic Avenger has no theatrical box office receipt paper trail to speak of. One assumes, however, that it did bang up business courtesy of its many, many releases and re-releases on home video. Fred and Dan, what do you guys think of The Toxic Avenger? This movie, I just have to, I, I always did want to cornhole me a no. blind bitch. No. That was a line in this movie. Yeah, and you've said it. I know, because I was like, what the shit? I literally wrote that. What the shit? Question mark, exclamation, question mark, exclamation, question mark, exclamation. What the shit? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was just, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe so much of what I was seeing with this movie. You never saw it before? Uh, well, here's the thing. This was a movie when it came out. It was, it was, you know, infamous. I'd heard of it. Mm-hmm. Again, I was scared of it. This was another movie in the video store. I'd see it and I'm like, nope, I'm going to walk away. I'm going to say, where's meatballs? Where's meatballs? Where's stripes? Let me get those. I don't want to look at this because I'd heard how insanely violent it was supposed to be. Mm. And I saw it later. I feel like I saw it either later in high school or when we were in college. I saw it at home. I can, I can see myself sitting in my den, in our den in my old house, watching it on cable be like, all right, I'm going to finally watch this. Now, I sent Jason the link. I sent you both the link. My And it might have been after this because I have a slight connection with trauma in the sense that I did a – my friend Bill Muir, who I've mentioned on this show, mm-hmm. uh, he was a film student at NYU. I think he just graduated. I believe, if memory serves – he was either hired or he was trying to get a job at Troma. So he filmed, and, and Troma, I think you mentioned, and, the, and Troma is the company that- I did yeah. not mention it in the oh. opening. Sorry, oh. I so that. Troma yes. filmed, they're, they're, again, infamous because they're the production company that made this. And this was, mm. they, they've made all these terrible schlocky <laughs> movies, but with, a, I think, like you're saying, with a pretty intentional sense of humor behind them, yeah, but clearly. they've become infamous for that. This guy, what's his name? Uh, Lloyd, Lloyd Kaufman, I think is mm-hmm. the guy who ran it. And I remember the Troma offices were in the city. It was in Midtown. And I remember, like, That's you'd right. walk by it and you see a sign. You can walk in. Trauma Films. So yes, yes, I remember my that. My friend, Bill Muir, either was hired there or was trying to get a job there making a movie. So he made a spec trailer, and you can watch it on YouTube. Oh, my God. It's, and it was called Mutant Mafia Hitman. <laughs> I'm in it. Damon <laughs> is in it. <laughs> and not Suds, but Suds' brother. What's that? Suds is not in it? No, Suds' brother is in it. Oh, my God. And we God. all get shot. It's basically, it's <laughs> the, the toxic adventure, but with a, a guy in the mafia. <laughs> and I remember I went to, I think it was Bill's basement, and I was wearing a vest. We all know how much I loved vests. They put a <laughs> fake mustache on me, and I remember they covered my chest in blood squibs and firecrackers, and then they lit them. And they, they I, I kid you not, Fantastic. I had a cookie sheet 
on my chest and they were attached to them and you can watch this online you'll see you won't be able to recognize me but that's me getting blown away you You said the best and i was like there you go i've seen (laughs) i've seen that guy walk in squibless many a taco bell (laughs) wearing that same vest the same vest only you had shit squibs but yeah he still still collapsed in just as much pain (laughs) So I don't know if that's what it was that I thought, oh, well, now I got to watch The Toxic Adventure. Anyway, it was around that time that I finally watched it. And I seem to remember being somewhat tickled by it. Watching it now, I, I don't know. There's so many, so many thoughts. Yes. When it first started. I never saw it before. I, <gasps> I was howling. I thought, oh, my God. This, now, I saw the musical. And my, oh. my friend Nick Cordero, who very sadly passed away right. at the beginning of, of the COVID uh, pandemic, he played Toxie in it. And oh, it was wow. one of the funniest musicals I'd ever seen. Kate oh, and I wow. saw it. We were howling. We oh, had shit. such a great time. Mm. So I was excited to revisit it uh, right off the bat. I'm like, oh, my God, this is awful and amazing. The gym scene is incredible. Jesus. It's ridiculous. Funny. Yeah. You know, just Very people stupid. working out in bikinis. Yeah. It's just it's pure exploitation. <laughs> oh. yeah. uh, I, I th- as soon as, first of all, I thought, Dan, you need to do one man show where you play both Bozo and Melvin Ferd. Yes, it, please. I was like, it's true. They're the two sides of me. They really are. They really are. The guy playing Bozo was amazing. When yeah. he yelled, when he started to uncontrollably, oh, yeah. I hate that mob boy. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, I'm in. I'm in. I love this. It's it was so like Pacino st- saying, I want Dick Tracy dead. Yes. It was very, had the same it passion. It was so yep. fucking stupid and bad and ridiculous. I'm like, this is awful. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll say this for it. Man, there's consistency. There is not one good performance in this entire no. movie. No. Not one good actor. No. And I was, but I was, I was laughing and enjoying it. And then you get to them, like the the f- fucking awful racism about you know they're talking about oh you know how God. many points you get if you we get run me. over an N word and this, and then oh they run God. over the kid, and they don't just hit. And I'm going, no, they're not going to really hit the kid because I couldn't remember this. They don't just run him over. Mm-hmm. They crush his head yes and it's so that's that was the point where i thought i thought what the fuck is wrong with lloyd kaufman and i started Mm -hmm. to feel dirty watching (laughs) it and everything was wrong with him what i thought about it the most what really like then i started to feel that that feeling that i would get in in the video store where i'd start to feel dirty and i was like oh no yeah but what it was i'm going oh my god this is a movie that we would have made as kids. This is a movie yes. that me, Damon, and Josh, and Suds, and Joe Salvatore, and Steve Pensino, this is a movie we would have made. It's so <laughs> stupid and juvenile and over the top. It's ultra-violent and silly and boobs and, like, stupid. I mean, I'm thinking about the movies that we made that I've talked about in this podcast. The man who got pissed off when he was pissed on. There was a character in this movie. We had a character in that movie about, literally, that we made about a man who would kill people when people pissed on him. Mm -hmm. My character's name was Sherman Snozzlebutt, okay? (laughs) I was a 12-year-old kid. This movie had a character named Professor Snotburger. You know, this was... So I'm watching it just going... Oh, yeah, this is just so I'm thinking whoever directed, whoever put it together, just said God is friends or got awful, terrible actors and said, 
Don't try to be good. Right. Just be worse. Just go. F- and they were consistent in that, that every, there was not, again, not one good performance, but yet they all worked in the world of this fucking batshit, nuts, yeah. disgusting, cruel, weird, juvenile movie. I, I, I don't even know if I can call it a movie. But I, that's I, the world of schlock, though, Fred. That, that is, the, wor- that is the world of schlock and the world of Targle and the wor- and the world of the of everyone in this movie is is the I mean, here are here are some of the other names of trauma movies. OK, um, class of Newcomb High. I've seen that one. Blood Junkie. The first turn on dumpster baby, Um, the middle finger, maniac nurses find ecstasy, monster, monster in the closet, poultry geist, night of the chicken dead, rabid grannies, redneck zombies. This is one I love. Sergeant Kabuki man, NYPD. We, we have to see this one and I don't care how we get it, but we have to get it. Shakespeare's Shitstorm. <laughs> Shakespeare's Shitstorm is a 2020, it's new, comedy horror film. It is directed by Lloyd Kaufman and produced oh, by Troma Entertainment. It is a musical and contemporary adaptation of The Tempest. We need to see Shakespeare's Shitstorm. I've seen this movie many times, believe it or really? not. Really? Yes, many times. Oh, I and, believe that. And the thing I remember, <laughs> the thing I remember about it more than anything else, of course, is the kid's head getting run over. That oh, is horrifying. Oh, but, and the dog. The dog. And, the, and that's the second thing I remember is the oh. dog being shot. Okay. But let me tell you something. Those shocks, stay, I mean, they stay with you because they're oh, visceral, yeah. but but they 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 actually serve a function in the movie and that's to set up all he's doing here is going all right let's take bullies and let's go what's the worst thing a bully could do is this all right let's take politicians and go what's the worst thing a politician could be it's this level of corruption no go to the place where you don't think that anyone will buy it that's the level Okay, we're going to make these people child killing psychopaths to the point where they run over an innocent kid's head and and shoot a dog. We're going to we're going to make the politician so loathsome that Mm. he has employed every every drug dealer and every criminal and everyone in the town is actually working for him. You know, and Toxie is going to be so good that his his power is actually he is drawn to crime. Which is why he, in my favorite moment, kills the old lady in the laundromat, yeah. and what he doesn't fuck? know why he's killing her. And you turn it out later, she's running a white slavery ring. Oh, I <laughs> missed no that completely. I missed it. I no totally missed that. I was it's wondering great. that too. I'm like, what's going on with the little woman? Why is he doing that? And then he goes back to his girlfriend, and he's like, I, I need to stay away from you because yeah, it's great. I, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Yeah. I, at first, it seemed clear to him that he was killing yes. the evil. Right and now, he's like, I don't know. I stuck this lady in a fucking dryer <laughs> and ironed so her to absurd. death. And ironed, ironed her, and then death. ironed her to death. I mean, as and soon as he walked did, in and just fucking that, pushed he, her. I 
was like, what is going on? Why right. is he pushing the little woman? What's happening? Because he can sense crime. He can sense evil. He can and, sense evil? And then oh, yeah, they say that right off the bat, but I don't remember anything about her running a white slavery ring. Later in the movie, they're like, they, they, the, the politician's like, oh, he killed a little old lady. That's how we're going to get her. That's how we'll turn the public against yeah. her. No, Senator whoever, or Mayor, what's his face? We, turns out she was running a... <laughs> She's a horrible human being and running a white slavery ring. Yeah, that oh made me laugh out loud. I completely forgot about that. I'd never seen it before. I never saw a second of it. Just, you oh, know, seeing wow. all the advertising. all the You must have been I shocked was, to the gills when that kid got run over. Oh, my I God. I was really shocked. At first, I was like, Oof. in the first scene, I was laughing. I was like, oh, I didn't expect it to be this intentionally funny uh, mm-hmm. up front. And then that's it. I was like the fuck are these people doing these people just kill like i was like truly clutching my pearls i was like oh, you know, yeah. we're just gonna go out and kill people well, yep. like an, an idiot as if i don't know what kind of movie yeah. i'm watching and then <laughs> they run over the head and i was like i'm done like there's a part of me that's like i'm done now with this movie and then the dog it happens and i'm like Done. I'm done. You lost me a very long <laughs> yeah. time ago. I don't like this kind of thing. I I know it's supposed to be bad. I know it's supposed to be. It, they, it makes me sick. It's like the, what Fred yeah, said, the video store, thing. where you're like, I feel gross even being in the room with this movie. It reminds me very much of, in fact, I thought maybe this title was going to get read out by you when we were at Hofstra and we did our <gasps> our bad music and movie party and we just got the shittiest <laughs> stuff we could find and we rented a movie called fat guy goes nutsoid yes. because we thought oh that sounds funny this is gonna be so bad fat guy goes nutsoid right. it's so bad it's uh, it's just uncomfortable <laughs> in every way there's no acting there's no drama and it's just a very 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 heavy man vomiting constantly at every opportunity on everyone in everyone on everything just chunky pink and orange vomit and just and there's no there's no jokes there's no anything it's like, this has jokes this is oh uh, where you know, is nora francis connie's coat when you need it <laughs> oh, yeah. God. yeah and fred wants to fill it with some chunks um, <laughs> fred yeah, goes nuts <laughs> um, uh, with his nuts oi uh, <laughs> No, this was a grotesque nightmare of a movie. Yeah, it was like yeah. a very queasy looking experience. And then every once in a while, there's like a joke or a funny scene or whatever. And, and I'm like, okay. Like just the joke, the, the, the fact that the Toxic Avengers voice changes so much. Is that was so very funny. funny. To me, there were things that were funny, but it loses me so hard with those things, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, putting a shotgun, there's a fucking, that's a real baby or toddler yes. and there's a shotgun in its face and i was like you've lost fuck you lloyd calf it's one thing <laughs> if fred says this is the movie we would have made when we were 12 yes but lloyd made this when he was 47 so it's, it's <laughs> and a even at 12 years weird. old we wouldn't have done like that was the other thing though but even as 12 year old we would have used we yeah. would have had jeffrey parker jr you know we would have had a cabbage yes. patch kid we wouldn't have been exactly. like let's do it with a real baby yeah, get your little brother over here yeah, does this scare you? I really found it very... Uh, it was violence, but it was, you know, with us. You know, we did a movie called The Acme Stuntman School where basically just Damon <laughs> just beat the shit out of himself, you know? That's funny. And That's it was Stuntman School. That's great. Oh, I yeah. want to see yeah. that. Let's get Lloyd Kaufman out here to produce that. <laughs> have, have you guys ever seen Death Race 2000 with Stallone and David Carradine? No, no I haven't. That's a whole movie where the whole point of the movie is 
Let's see how many people we can run over. Yeah. From coast to let's have a race from coast to coast. And and this is how many points you get for running over this, you know, an old lady, a kid on a bike oh, or whatever. So, oh, wow. You yeah. know, it's that whole like grind house grind thing. House yeah. Thing. And that's right? Roger. Death and, proof is like that too. Right? Exactly. And that's Russell Roger character. Corman. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, and he made a lot of movies like this too. You know, when, when you, when you sign on to make, be in, see a schlock fest, yeah. you know, a grindhouse movie or an, uh, um, there's, there's a channel on Pluto called the asylum. And that's all it shows is these kinds of movies, 24, seven, And they're varying degrees of, of, of horrifying. But, um, you know, when, the movie is what it's, the trauma movies are what they say they're, they're going to be, you know, and you're either on board with it or not. And, and obviously it makes total sense if someone is, not not <laughs> on board with this it goes way too far and that is its agenda i mean yeah. it, it's not in the i don't really put it in the same wheelhouse as like um the john waters films but there's moments in those where you kind of go yeah whoa that's too far not with the gore oh, yeah. necessarily but just no, but content like wise divines eating shit off the yeah. ground i mean eating yeah, actual dog oh, no. came out of a dog's ass. we watch there's a scene i mean in um Oh God, was it? it's not Pink Flamingos? We watched one in Alpha. Remember, Desperate Living, yeah, yeah where they you favorite. see someone just like cut off someone's dick right there, you know. But I feel like with John what? Waters, yeah, we watched that. Remember, not, it was me. not as real. Oh. Not it's not real. No. No. We're no. just talking about eating real shit. I was like, wait a second, <laughs> John Waters gets somebody to cut off somebody's dick, and he didn't go to jail. No, no, I no, no. So. But I feel like with that movie, with, with the John Waters movies, the, the, there's. I, there's more of like a love and there's more heart behind it. This just yeah, in a weird cool way yeah. and he's at times, you know, and even right. with Roger Corman stuff, I feel like, you know, cause you, you, so many great directors like Scorsese and De Palma and all those guys, like they all came through and did Roger right. Corman yeah. stuff. But I feel like Roger Corman, even though he knew that he was making sort of schlocky movies, I, there was something where I think it's he gave nature. them sort of, yeah, they were good nature, but they're also, he gave them like this auteurship behind them. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that, that's the understanding I get. Whereas this just is, is not that at all. It's just, let's just fucking make a terrible movie, knowing we're making a terrible movie. Ah! He's stressing me, Julie. He is stressing me. Oh, Bozo. I can't take it, Julie. I cannot take it. He is screwing up my karma. Ah! I'm stressed. See what you did, you idiot? See what you did? No, no, Bozo, you don't understand. You have to scream all your, like, be Every fucking line. crazy. Right. Like, they were, I don't think anyone was that skilled that they're like, oh, I'm going to play bad. They were all bad. They were, yeah. No one in this well. movie was a good actor. But they weren't trying to be good either. And I think that's, that's the difference. In fact, they were tr actively trying to be bad. They were, yeah, they're like, they were like going further and be who bad. Trying to be, yeah, who were like, make it real. Do you, what do you think is like too much? Go a little further. Go further. They were doing that. Yeah. But then oh, it's also yeah. like the thing of like what we said about um, who's in, what's her name in Showgirls? Elizabeth Berkeley. Elizabeth Berkeley. We said that you guys said this about Elizabeth Berkeley, and I completely agree that just basic human behavior was was <laughs> difficult for her. Like, how do I negotiate a ketchup bottle? I remember <laughs> saying that. There's people in this who can't like open a door, take a step, <laughs> hold a knife, do anything. Like they don't know how to behave as a human just because someone has a camera and is saying action. They suddenly can't do. And it's normal right. human things. It's You're hysterical right. to watch. There's somebody holding a knife in this thing in a threatening way that's like, 
What part of the nut? You're not even holding the right part of the nut. It doesn't even make sense how you're no, doing No, you're thinking it. about Harvey Keitel holding the gun against oh, Judge Reinhold's yeah, same arm. Thing. Yeah, yeah, same, same thing. thing. Allegedly, gentlemen, allegedly, Marissa Tomei is in this somewhere in the health really? club. Yeah, it's her. It's her. How oh, she got. Wow. The, the, the list of people who got their start in trauma movies is pretty Pretty impressive. Carmen Electra, Billy Bob Thornton, Vanna White, who knew. Wow. Speaking of buying a vowel from before. I knew about Billy Bob Thornton. I knew that. Really? Kevin Cost Kevin Costner. Kevin, Kevin Costner, Costner. Listen in Sizzle Beach, USA. Oh wow. Listen to this next one. JJ Abrams, who directed the trauma movie Night Beast. Oh wow. Oh, wow. Samuel L. Jackson, Death by Temptation. Uh, Marissa Tomei, Toxic Avenger. Michael J. White, Toxic Avenger 2. Wow. Vincent D'Onofrio, The First Turn On. Paul Sorvino, Cry Uncle. James wow. Gunn, Romeo, Tromeo and Juliet, excuse me. And Trey Parker and Matt Stone, Cannibal the Musical. It was a way sure. in. Roger Corman, that was the thing. Like, say what you will about his movies. Coppola, he was like, Lucas, all of them. Yeah, My God. he's like, make a movie, go for it. So it gave these people, actors too. I mean, yeah. Nicholson did a shit ton oh, of Corman yeah. movies. Yeah. It gave them opportunities. So, it, you know, it's similar. Yeah. And that's, again, why my friend Bill was trying to get a job here. He's like, yeah, it's trauma and it's shitty. But if I can do it, if I can make a trauma movie, I've made a movie. And you then, go. you know, it's like... Like it's one true. step up the ladder a little bit. That's true. Yeah. If I can go. get you to wear a vest and just get all those squibs all over your, I was like, I'll wear the vest. That's easy. I'm wearing I'm it wearing now. Right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll be wearing one tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. And wow. some of them will have explosives in them. <laughs> you won't know which ones because I'm going on the road with Gallagher and Carrot Top. But- <laughs> It's part of the thing. <laughs> but I did. I have to, I'll tell you, when I watched this, I was literally, I had COVID and I was isolating <laughs> in my basement by myself. Nice. Watching it in the dark basement, like already feeling like shit and dirty <laughs> and diseased <laughs> and infected. And then I'm watching this going, oh, <laughs> like I felt it was like, it was going from like Omicron to Delta. Yeah. It was just shifting like the variants. I felt the movie moving inside me while watching this. So you had the the Torgle variant. (laughs) I mean, when you first said that in the beginning, when you're like, this is how I'm going to pronounce his name. I'm thinking, well, that tracks because that's the feeling (laughs) you get from this movie. The movie would star someone named Torgle. One thing, let's end on a happy note. One thing I actually. Torgle is Ulgrat spelled backwards. (laughs) You have to remember that. It's actually cornhole spelled backwards. So I still can't get over that line. What were you saying? Any yeah, on a happy so note that oh doesn't have to do with God. cornholing. No, one thing I one thing I really enjoyed in this, just to bring it back to a sweet thing, is that the little kids in this eating the ice cream and stuff, they're great. All the little little kids. No, like they the two, weren't. The two they kids, were ten. The two kids he bring, he saves from the middle of the street, and they're oh, all yeah. sitting out there with the kid the, who's the fry, the, who works the fry later, and they're eating their ice cream and stuff. I love that because they're not acting. The, he Lloyd Kaufman just went, "Bring me some kids," and he, he said, "Here you go, eat ice cream all day and yeah. action." And that was kind of lovely. It was, it was very sweet because these kids have no; they're just there to eat ice cream, and yeah. so they're the most honest performances in the movie because yeah. they're just sitting there enjoying ice cream. They don't know that they're in the Toxic Avenger. They don't know what planet they're on. They're having ice cream. And it's very sweet. 
No, they were still terrible kid actors. Fuck off. This is probably the most consistent movie we've seen <laughs> in 73 episodes in that start to finish. There's nothing good about it, but it works. It it, works. Like Disorderlies, it Disorderlies is a piece of work. shit, and right. it doesn't work at all. Right. This, from start to finish, every actor, every line said, every special effect, right. every plot point, it's Awful. The kids are terrible. The adults are terrible. The little women are terrible. The big women are terrible. The blind people, they're all terrible. <laughs> but it works. It's more cohesive than one true thing. <laughs> it really more is. more moving than Scent of a Woman. Oh, come on. I give it a seven point. What I give Critters? Uh, I gave I, Offbeat a seven. I gave... Critters are 7.5. I'll go right in between. 7.25. Wow. Right in between. I, I'd feel dirty if I went any higher than like a three. <laughs> I want there's a part of me that it's just it's so bad. It's so poorly made, but it's intentional. But that's its agenda. It's all I it's know. Agenda. So that's, that's the, the thing. Point of it. So you so can't like, fault un, it for in, being poorly made because that's the No, so in that point. sense. It's like what? What would I give the man who got pissed off and who's pissed on? I'd give, I'd that, give that a, a 10. ten. I haven't even yeah. seen it. That's a ten. <laughs> no questions. It might be an eleven. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I can go. I think three, uh, three and a half. I because I want to even saying that I want to shower. I need to like. <sighs> but I did enjoy myself at times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just at the utter shock. Yeah. I can't stop talking about it. I Look, clearly, I keep going on. It's like, well, you, sorry, Jason, it's go. No, Jump that's, no, that's the secret to its success, Fred, is what, you, is what you're doing it, now. It, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It's, it has been very successful for its creators. <laughs> it has spawned a lot of shit. It's, I mean, somebody made a musical out of it that you say is a great musical. There's a, it made sequels. It's, it's like the, the, the studio was built on the back of it. That is all that's, that means something, I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> One Sheila. No. I, no. Nothing, I know. I couldn't. You, listen. I, they showed me that they, I'm like, fuck you in the face. You're going to show me a tire back over a kitten. You're going to take pictures oh, of it God. and you're going to look at it in close up and say, oh, I'm getting so hot. And then you're going to shoot a dog. Two minutes later, you've got the audacity. You're going to put a shotgun in the baby's face. I, I'm sorry. You take those real. three things. And, is not, it not? Thank you. It's not real. Thank they you. didn't really run over I didn't a say child. it was faces of death. I don't care. I don't need to see. I, I, my soul doesn't need to be uh, to vaporized in that way. I don't have to be Mine made does. less of a human. Mine in that does. Way. I no, need to I be less of a human. Listen, I just didn't. I, it didn't. It didn't we, do it for me. The laughs and the their their like I said, the intentional humor, which I can see running through it. It's not like, oh, it's so funny just because it's so bad. And they were like so earnest about this being a great sci-fi or horror movie. Sure. No, they're very clearly making a comedy, very clearly. But I don't, I can't deal with stuff that that uh, that traffics in that kind of, that, the really ugly exploitative stuff. I, I think there's, the the I, I'll give it I'll give it two I'll give it two for I'll give it one for its intentional humor and okay. I'll give it one for the fact that it has clearly it's some sort of master stroke because it's I I mean 
what a success story for this fucking thing, you know, to have spawned everything it spawned, you know, so hats off to you, Toxie. Oh, he wears a tutu the whole time. He's never not in a tutu. You gotta go three. Go three. No, no, no. That'll, that'll, that'll solidify my two. I forgot that much like a good, like a good bran flake, that'll solidify my two and I will... <laughs> I will, uh, <laughs> because I forgot that he has oh. fucking tutu on through the whole movie. Does he have and then he the kills everyone with the mop. It doesn't matter how gruesomely he, he kills them, he always finishes he with finishes the mop in the face. Right, he cleans them up. All, yeah. all right, that's all. That, that, all, that all makes me feel less sick to my stomach about giving it a two. <laughs> but I shan't go higher. <laughs> Marissa Tomei, she's great in it. I don't even know where she right. is. <laughs> Her left oh, even talking is about it. <laughs> uh, even talking about it, is it making uh, you sick? Yeah, it makes me, I feel a little dirty. Mm. Feel a little dirty. Yeah. It's time well, to wash up. <laughs> well, let, let's, see, let's see if next week's, uh, next episode will make you feel any better. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us, everyone, for another episode of Opening Weekend. We'll return in about two weeks' time with a 25th anniversary rewatch of Ooh. April 1997's Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, starring wow. Lisa Kudrow and Mira Sorvino. I remember finding that movie really funny when I never saw it. Never seen it. Oh, I think it's very funny. Or at least I did. I don't know if it'll hold up, but uh, yeah. Uh, I thought that was a pretty fun comedy in 1997. And the other big release uh, that we'll be rewatching for its, again, 25th anniversary, We Are So Old, Volcano, uh, not Joe versus, just a regular old <laughs> volcano. The disaster uh, flick in which the lava burned as intensely as the white hot sexual chemistry of its leads, <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones and Anne Hache. <laughs> That's next time on Opening Weekend. <laughs> which will make us more physically ill. The Toxic Avenger. Or oh. I'm assuming a moment where Tommy oh. Lee Jones kisses Anna H. No. No, I don't know if they kiss. Oh. I don't know. I know. She could be his daughter in it for all I know. I don't remember. I did does see she, it, but I don't did, remember it. Does she run over his head in it? Because that's all I'll be waiting for. <laughs> oh, no, Face. You've done it again. Um, <laughs> Why do you think he looks the way he does? Dan, my boy, what you got for us this week? Was, it, was there a... Uh, is there a Queen's Clearwater Revival song in Offbeat? Because I was humming it the whole time, and now I can't bring no. it back to my head. No, there was. Oh, no, yes, there was. It's not Bad there Moon was. Rising, but it's... it's. All right, hang on. It was. Whatever it was, I, I, I love that song. I just can't think of it right now. It is... Uh, um, it's Down on the Corner. Down on the down Corner. Down on the Corner, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that song. I'll do a little Down That's on the Corner, one. because that was in uh, Offbeat. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Little Dennis squeeze in the hand.
can't fart, squeeze it out, they can't be beat. Ooh, nice. <laughs> Those little critters worked some magic right there. <laughs> Them little critters. That was very, very good. Mm. Uh, you now let's go cornhole someone. Let's oh. go cornhole someone. <laughs> Wait, say it again. <laughs> now let's go cornhole someone. Oh, good night, everyone. <laughs> Let's go cornhole. <laughs> say it, wait, say it one more time, Fred. No, let's go cornhole someone. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Keep my wife's name out your Fuck off.